Well, we're looking at the Tower of Babel uh, right now to answer Alex's question. I, ha I mean, I was just thinking this week, we've kind of gone through, read through the whole Bible. Then we sort of re-looked at it and just went through the entire New Testament. And then I, I thought if we wanted to set up a reading, we could uh, set it up. But I thought we'd read through one of the Gospels then sort of focus in more and more on Jesus, saw how Jesus comes out in the whole Bible, how Jesus is spoken of in the New Testament, and then to really just look at uh, closely the life of Jesus. And I was thinking we'd probably go through the life of Jesus, uh, maybe look at uh, the book of Matthew, and we'd go from Christmas, uh, which is the birth of Jesus, through uh, Easter, which is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And so look at the story as we go between those two holidays. Um, and, and, you know, in preparation for that, I had started looking at the beginning of Matthew as a genealogy. And I thought maybe we might go through some of the stories that are brought up in the genealogy. And the genealogy begins with Abraham. So I, I had actually intended on preaching on uh, Genesis 12 and I'd really only looked at this story as sort of a background to that. And I just felt like maybe we should just look at this story. And so for better or worse, we're going to look at the story of the Tower of Babel. And uh, it's the story about, in a general sense, how it is that we came to speak all these different languages. And, uh, and we... But what, what the story, if you really look at it, is is how it is that we were already there speaking a different language. It says, now the whole world had one language and one common speech. It brings up those two different aspects. What it's basically saying is, is here's how the problem existed or exists, even when we're speaking the same language. We're all talking about the same thing. We're actually talking about different things. How is it that we can all be speaking the same language and be talking about things or talking about a subject, but it's really as it is Babel, it's confused. And the reason why it's confused is because we're often just talking about two different things. And how does this come out in the story? And the first thing that it says in the story is it says the people moved eastward Um this is a problem that comes up with the fact that we have different languages. We speak a language that's different than this. And so part of the problem is trying to translate it. In my note, it says down there, there's a little footnote that says, or from the East. And the reason why it says that is because that's what the word says from the East. The word says from the East, but for whatever reason, someone felt it important to translate it as just eastward. Um, but that's actually two different things. And, and what's interesting about that, or, or maybe what's difficult, why we have a hard time translating is as from the East, they're moving from the East, is because from the East would probably better be translated, they're moving westward, <laughs> and the exact opposite if you're moving. What, what the story is getting at here is that they, the whole world has been destroyed because we've just made such a mess of things. The weight of injustice was so heavy in the world, and everyone was so guilty that, that in order for justice to break out on earth, it meant everybody was killed. But, but God saved a family. He saved 
the family of Noah. And after the flood, that family landed on, on a mountaintop as the waters receded. And, and people think it's like maybe Mount Ararat, but it was <clears throat> seems to be some mountain in um, the Himalayas or somewhere in that region. And what the story is saying is, is as they came down and they were saved from the flood and, and they experienced God's salvation and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth, that from that salvation and those words of God to be fruitful and fill the whole earth, they started to move in a direction. And the direction that they started to move was westward. But it doesn't say they moved westward because westward would imply that they know where it is that they're going to. But they don't know where it is that they're going to. All they know is where it is that they're coming from. And that's something that's important and maybe points out a distinction between why we're always, it's so confusing and how it is that we can be talking about two different things, even though we're using the same language. Because oftentimes we're talking about something that we think we're moving towards that we don't even really know what we're moving towards. It's a hope of what we're moving towards. All we really know is what we've come from. And what they had come from was this incredible salvation that God had given them and this promise that God had given them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. And so they're moving away from that moment of salvation and those words that God had given them that fit with that salvation. And they're moving in a direction that, uh, for all intents and purposes, God is leading them. And it's important because this direction of moving away from the east is continued at the end of the chapter when it starts talking about Abraham and his family. They continued to move uh, away from this east where they had settled. Now, as they're moving, and the only thing that they have to go on isn't, it says the word is actually wandering, that what they have to go on is not where they're going to. They're going out to the whole earth. But what they really have to go on is the salvation that they've experienced and the words of God that he gave them at that moment of salvation when it became assured. And so they were moving uh, from the west, and it says they found. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. The Plain of Shinar, if you follow that track down, people say that the, the plain that you come to is in Iraq. It's the plain that, that fits with the word Babel because it was the plain where the city of Babylon was built. And, in, and so there, people feel as though what, what's happening here is it's talking about how that plain that the city of Babylon was, was built on, how it first came to be settled in the first city uh, after the flood that, that was built there. But the important part isn't so much where, it's that it says they, they found something. In other words, they were coming through as they were wandering, they came across something that they saw as an opportunity. They came across an opportunity something that they viewed as an opportunity. They viewed it as an open door. But what that opportunity meant is that they stopped doing this other and started to just sort of settle in. 
And the motive that they had for stopping and settling in, they make clear by their own words. It's at the end of chapter four. It says, otherwise we will be scattered over the whole face of the earth. And so the opportunity that they were following, they say, is an opportunity to basically not do what God has told them to do. God has saved them. He's told them, be fruitful, be multiplied, fill the whole earth. They're on that journey, and they take the first opportunity they get to justify or to give reason to basically what they had wanted in that journey, which is to basically stop and not look at what God, where God was leading them. And it doesn't say whether they were afraid or maybe they just didn't like that idea, but whatever the case is, they stopped and settled because they, they didn't want to follow where God was leading them. And, and so the first confusion in the story is really about what do we view as an opportunity? I remember when I was younger, people, you know, especially when you first get saved and you come into the church and church people start talking to you and, and you know, you're faced with some sort of decision or you're trying to figure out, you're just wandering around. That's the truth of the matter. You know you're saved and you know God has spoken. There's usually something to that is just very clear to you that, that God has said to you that, that he said early on, and it's not, doesn't really like define where it is we need to go, but, but there's something that we are holding on to that we know that God has said that he made clear at that moment, that time when we were saved. And people will often say, well, you just need to look at what doors are open and what doors are closed. You know, as God opens doors and as God closes doors. Well, that's okay. I mean, in a sense, we're all talking about the same thing, right? But the problem is, is what is an open door? What is opportunity? We have very different ideas about what an opportunity is. We can be speaking the same language, but we're actually talking about something completely different. And you can see what opportunity was for them, and it's framed in a very general sense, because they start this repeat, uh, this phrase that they repeat over and over to each other. There's two instances of it. They say, come, let us make bricks. And then in verse four, they say, come, let us build for ourselves this city and this tower that reaches into heaven. The phrase that's there is, come, let us. Well, who do they mean by us? What's the opportunity? The opportunity depends on who it is that we're talking about in terms of us. And it's clear here that they're saying the opportunity that we're pursuing has to do with us, and we're leaving behind that opportunity that God has laid out for us. You see, we can still use the same words. What's the opportunity? What's the door that God's opening up for us? What's the opportunity that's before us? And we act like the opportunity that we see or the opportunity that we define as an opportunity, we start thinking of that as synonymous with what God wants. But it's oftentimes not. 
there's oftentimes a huge difference between what we see as an opportunity and the opportunity that God has laid out for us in light of the salvation that we've experienced with him. And so how it is that we can be so confused in our conversations, part of it is we're using the same words. But if we talked about things in light of salvation, if we don't feel like we've been saved, then we haven't, you know, that's our starting point. But amongst those who have had an experience where we've been saved, where there's something that's happened in our life where we've experienced God's salvation, then opportunity is now defined by that salvation. Opportunity is now defined by how do we walk? How do we continue to wander? Maybe not even knowing where we're going, but at least we're walking in the context of that salvation and what it is that God has made clear to us. But at some point, we're tempted, and at one point, some point, we stop from that and we change the language, and now opportunity becomes something that's excluded from that. And it's not necessarily that we're antagonistic or we're afraid or whatever. It just changes, and opportunity becomes something that let us do without including God in that. And the contrast to that is seen when God says, uh, he says in verse 7, God uses the exact same phrase, come let us. Now, who does God mean, let us? He changes because it says, so the Lord uh, uh, came down, and then it changes to us. Now, lots of people talk about what that is. But if you talk about it in the sense of, who is the Lord that has come down? What is the hope that we find in view of salvation that includes God coming down and becoming one of us? That's the hope of Jesus. And who is it that it says they built something up into the heavens? Who is it among us who rose up into heaven? It's Jesus. And what is the us that's referring to with Jesus who has come down and risen up when he came up? It's what we've been talking about in Acts chapter 3. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit being in us. God is not talking about us with the exclusion of us. He's talking about the promise, the true salvation that is going to bring us together with him, where there will be no separation between us and them. The opportunity that God is talking about isn't one that excludes. The opportunity that God is talking about is one that brings us so close that there's no differentiation anymore between us and us and each other, us and him. But the opportunities that we look for are always, you know, exclusive. It's always about some group. It's always about what we think is an opportunity. If we want to clear things up, if we want to stop talking in a confusing way, for those that have experienced God's salvation, let's talk about opportunity in terms of what's God doing? What's the opportunity that God's been talking about? What's the opportunity that Jesus, is, as we read through Matthew, the question we're going to have to ask ourselves, otherwise it's just a meaningless conversation. It's just us going blah, 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 blah. It's confusion. It doesn't matter what language we're speaking. 
if we're just talking about the opportunities that we think we're the ones who needed to be saved. If we need to be saved, then what, what opportunity are we talking about? The opportunity that brings clarity is, if we're going to look at it in light, if we feel as though we've been saved from something, if we've had this experience of God's salvation, then let's talk about what's the opportunity that, that Jesus has been talking about? What's the opportunity that Jesus has put on our heart? And let's not stop short and settle for something else. Now, the other problem that comes up, it says they use brick instead of stone. And this is another problem with the what we're trying to get at is what it is that God has actually said. And it's difficult because of translation, but it's not difficult because we can look at what it actually says. What it actually says is they use brick as stone. And brick as stone is different than saying brick instead of stone. Brick instead of stone means that, well, I mean, we would have used stone if we could have, but we just didn't have that available to us. So unfortunately, we had to use brick, which doesn't last very long. And so we're just not going to be able to do it as well. That's not what they were thinking. What they were thinking is, is that they were going to build with brick and tar as though it is stone and mortar. In other words, when you think of brick versus stone, the, the obvious comparison is brick is not as lasting as stone. Stone is something that is lasting. Brick is something that, that falls apart after time. But they say, well, we're going to fire it thoroughly or bake it thoroughly. They're basically just saying they're, they're, we're going to have this way of treating the bricks. And because we've done this the right way, we're treating it as though it is lasting, even though it's not. That's part of the problem with language, is oftentimes we treat something as though it is this, even though we know it's not. One of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, what is an opportunity? If we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about something meaningful. If we're not going to talk in a confusing way, then let's clarify what an opportunity is. An opportunity is whatever it is that God sees as an opportunity because God is the one who has saved us. What is building? We talk about that all the time. Well, we feel like we're building something. And we always talk about building as though we're building something that's going to be lasting or something that's going to make a difference. The only thing that's lasting, the only thing that's going to make a difference is the stone, Jesus. What, what is Jesus building? That's why we need to read through Matthew. Let's ask ourselves, what's the opportunity that Jesus sees? What is it that Jesus is building? He says, you know, foxes have holes. You know, I can't remember what he says. We'll get to it. He says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay. He's not building the same things that we are building but we like to act as though it is. And that's not to say we can't do this or do that, but let's at least just be clear what it is that we're doing. Let's clarify the speech. If we've been saved by Jesus, 
then opportunity is about the opportunity that Jesus is going to talk about. If we've been saved by Jesus, then building is about what Jesus is building. But we have a way of confusing it and acting as though opportunity that we want is synonymous or somehow the equivalent of that, that the bricks and, and tar that we are building is the equivalent to the stone and mortar. We're building it as though it is. We're taking these opportunities and we know it's an opportunity that we think is for ourselves and it's something that we want to see happen, but we're treating it as though it's an opportunity for the rock, for Jesus. But we're taking the building that's happening and we're treating it as though it's something that Jesus is building. But we need to ask, is this really something Jesus is building? And what is the, the indicator? It's that if Jesus is building something, it's going to last forever. Jesus didn't build a house because it wasn't going to last. He was building something else. When we read through Matthew, let's look and see. What's Jesus building? When he says, we will make a name for ourselves, that's not the, the purpose. They're not going out to make a name for themselves. The, the purpose is they're just trying to avoid what it is they, that they don't want to have to rely on God's salvation anymore. They were saved, but as they moved on, they wanted to get to a place where they no longer had to appeal to God's salvation. They wanted to be able to build something, reach up into heaven themselves, and they saw that success, if you were to look at it, of being able to not need God's salvation, but to be able to reach up to heaven themselves. They saw that as creating a name for themselves. And everyone that reads this story sees a, a sort of funny thing that happens, that they had this expectation that there would be a name that would be based on their success, that they would be successful in their endeavor to draw near to God by their own means, so that they no longer had to appeal to the salvation that they had before. Now they were building something up to God, and their success of that would set them apart from other people. And the irony is, it says that they were called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them over the whole face of the earth. And people say, well, they wanted something that reflected something positive about their success, but because of their failure, they got a name that was derogatory. And so there's this inference from the context that they had intended on a name that was based on their successfulness and reaching up to God, but they got a name that, that was about their failure, a derogatory name. If Again, if you look at the word, I mean, maybe you could say that by inference, but you know what the word actually means? Babel? It just means gateway of God. Well, what does that mean, gateway of God? They had intended on the gateway of God being them building themselves up to the gateway of God up here in the heavens. And what it turned out to be, it says in verse 5, but the Lord came down. 
it turned out that the gateway was actually down here where we were. There was no need to go to the highest mountain. There was no need to cross the sea. There was no need to go to some place that was unattainable. There's no need to fake it as though we're going to reach up into heaven. And the reason why, the only reason why that is rendered useless and just confusing and has nothing to do with anything, but it's just babble, is because God is willing to come down. Because Jesus has come down. And if Jesus has come down, then our language should be about that. Opportunity is about that. Building is about that. Success is about that. What's success? We talk about that, we think, well, I'm just going with what's working. Really? What is it that's working? <laughs> we, we have a lot. Almost 100% of the time when someone talks to me about what they think is working, I'm just looking at them thinking, you realize no one around you thinks that's working except for you. <laughs> no one thinks that you're being successful here. What's success? We keep hoping success will be something that we've done that elevates us above. And it's derogatory when that's proved to be wrong. Why is that derogatory? They would have been successful if they were compared to anyone other than God. God's the only reason why it didn't work. It's not that they couldn't do it and someone else could. It's not derogatory to say that I failed because God succeeded. The gateway of God is saying, look, if we're going to talk about success, if we're going to talk about what's important, if we're going to talk about, you know, what's happening here, what's, what's the factors on the ground? The only factor on the ground is wherever the ground is that Jesus sets his feet. Wherever God has come down and made it clear, he's now involved in our lives. And what gave them that indication? Well, it was this event where people had spoken the same language. Now they're not. People had congregated together. Now they're scattered. It was an event where there's no explanation for it other than did they see God's coming down? Do they see the feet of Jesus coming down? Do they see this conversation? No, but they saw the effects of it. They saw something impossible happening. They, they saw God's word and God's salvation being proved to be true, going throughout the whole earth, even though they were doing everything they could to stop that. If we're going to talk about opportunity if we've been saved, if we're coming from that as our background, that, that we, you know, feel as though God has, we, we've seen instances of God saving us, and we're holding out, we're walking now in that salvation, then the clarity of opportunity is brought to us by what does Jesus see as an opportunity? What, what, what are we building? If it's coming from the light of us being saved, Let's talk about what's everlasting. 
not something that's just going to last a few thousand years. What, what is it that's everlasting? What is Jesus talking about that's everlasting? What is Jesus building? And if we're going to talk about success, let's stop talking about what we think is or isn't working for us. Success that we think we have or haven't had. Let's just give up on that hope and just stick with the hope that comes from salvation. Where do we see Jesus coming down? Where do we see the work of God in our life to save us? Where do we see the work of God in our lives that brings us back into what it is that he's building, back into the opportunity that comes from salvation? We're going to, as I said here in three, four weeks, but you can either, I mean, we should have actually maybe been thinking about this the whole time. I, I guess we kind of were. But as we get closer and closer in, and now we're looking at, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, and we're looking specifically at the life of Jesus and going to spend a, a, quite a few months just looking at the life of Jesus. Start reading through it now, and let's read through it. It's worth reading through. It's worth hearing what God has to say multiple times because we can never hear it enough. Because as time goes by, we start tweaking what God has saying so that it's confusing and means something else. It's not about what we think is opportunity. It's not about what we think needs to be built and what we can build. It's not about what we think we can be successful in or, or what we think is working. Let's take the time to relook at this salvation that we've experienced in the light of Jesus. What is the opportunity Jesus is talking about? What is it that Jesus is talking about building? What is the success that Jesus is talking about? Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you would open our eyes to the way that you have been saving us and taking care of us. Help our language to stay with you. Please keep us from changing our language to our own language, which is confusing. Duplicates, triplicates, where we don't even know what it is we're saying to each other, even when we're speaking the same language. Help us to have your language and to talk about your hope, to talk about the opportunity that, that you see, what you're building, what you see as successful. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.